Hey, you're listening to Be Your Best with Phil Haugen, where we explain the methods that help bridge the language barrier between horse and rider. Our goal with each episode is to provide you with the training philosophies that will help you to be your best every day. Thanks for joining me for this week's episode of Be Your Best Horsemanship. This is Phil Haugen coming to you from our training facility in Weatherford, Oklahoma. I'm recording this on a Friday morning. Sun's just starting to come up. It's a beautiful morning. Got a good cup of coffee. It's a little chilly outside still, so I've uh, I've escaped back to my office to record a podcast before I get after it. I hope you all have had a great week so far. I know you're listening to this on Tuesday mornings, but uh, for the most part, I know not everybody listens to it first thing Tuesday mornings, but today, so I've had a had a busy week of, uh, I've got some fraturity colts here that are going to go either to the barrel fraturities or the rope horse fraturities, and some of them will go both, and I've got one of our own, one that we own that that just came back from the trainer. Uh, Tanner Rennick had been riding him for us. And I'm roping on him this for, oh, a couple months here through the end of February before my clinics really crank up and I get super busy. And it's been, uh, the weather has cooperated. It's been a great week to rope on those horses. And, you know, I tell you, even those, even those colts that'll, that'll never see a calf or a steer after they leave here, and that are going to go to the barrel faturities. Um, it's amazing how quickly those horses that aren't really bred to have any cow in them, how quickly they will lock onto a moving object. It makes it fun because you can just leave your hand down and let that horse find its way and and follow that calf. You know whether I'm tracking them in the lane or tracking them in the arena. And it also builds a ton of confidence because a lot of those horses, I'd say about 50% of them running bred horses are scared to death of a calf. I mean, a lot of them that I ride are very, they're scared to death of cattle. And they look at them like they're a, they don't know what a steer or calf is, but they, what they do is they look at them like they're a predator and predators scare them, you know? And uh, so, you know, their instincts are to run from predators. I mean, horses are a prey animal. And so it's little things like that this week that I've seen a big change in these horses, just in their confidence. Even if I'm not even swinging a rope, if I'm just, if I'm just putting my hand down, putting them, putting their nose on that calf's tail head and letting them stay there and helping them guide. And when the calf stops, they stop. Calf speeds up, they speed up. Calf slows down, they slow down. Well, it really helps them. It really helps establish that trigger with your body that tells them that there's a change coming in speed or direction. And, and, you know, anything we can do to help our horse understand that there's a change coming in speed and direction is going to benefit you. There, there's no doubt about it. And I, and all of you out there have the ability to do this. That's not, it's, it's not rocket science at all. And so if you ever get a chance, 
even though, you know, I know a lot of barrel racers listen to this podcast and barrel horse trainers and rope horse trainers and, you know, and a lot of people that aren't training for the public, but still every day you work your horse, you're train, you're a trainer, you're training for yourself. Anything you can do to help establish that, that signal before the signal, meaning you establish that warning with your feel, your timing, your balance, what you do with your body, that that's going to benefit you. And that that's been fun this week. It's amazed me how a couple of these horses have really locked on. And uh, yesterday was a great day. Of course, it was kind of the perfect, perfect storm. The, the weather was beautiful. There was no wind. I didn't have a lot of distractions yesterday. I actually got to just train horses all day without any other distractions or any other things that needed my attention, which was awesome. Boy, it was a, it was a good day. Good day. Today's Friday. I had a, a friend of mine text me here just a little bit ago and said, well, how come you're not riding yet? And I said, well, I'm, I'm a little sore and I'm procrastinating I'm gonna, and I'm going to enjoy this last cup of coffee before I swing my leg over. <laughs> and that's kind of the truth today. It's, it's been a, it's been a good week, but it's been a busy week. And, you know, sometimes you just, sometimes it's okay to take the time and enjoy that last cup of coffee and let, you know, all that work will be waiting for me when I get out there. And once I get rolling, I'll get through it pretty good. Well, I say pretty good. I'm, I, I tell everybody else to eliminate pretty good from their vocabulary. And I just said it. So I need to listen to my own preaching. I'll do really good today. I'll do really good today. You know, so a couple things I'm going to talk about. First of all, I've been getting, I get a lot of questions about bits and equipment and here's some things that I think looking back for myself was were really important about bits and that is understanding that your bit is just a tool to send a signal to that horse's brain and then the brain sends a signal to the horse's body to try this response and you know when you when you look at it like that that the that the bit is just a tool that when you apply contact or pressure what that does is stimulate a thought response from that horse's mind and from that thought response that mind sends a message to the horse's body to try this response now sometimes that signal causes that horse to send a message to its body to resist and to stiffen and to push against you. And, and it's all in how you ask. I mean, and, and don't get me wrong, I get all those same responses too. It's not like every time I ask for a response, I get this soft, willing response. Anybody that says they do, they might be BSing you a little bit, okay? You know, we, we're all in the same boat. I mean, just because horses are at my place or at, you know, any number of the elite trainers out there, we all have moments where we ask for a response in a way that 
doesn't result in the response we're asking for. You know, that's just yesterday. I mean, I'm working one cult and there was a time in there where I had him, I was just tracking a calf and that calf turned one, one direction and the colt wanted to turn the other direction. And when I, when I tipped his nose in that direction, he, he was pulling against me. I was just holding that signal. I was just holding that pressure, but he was like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, he was, he wasn't, and this colt is, this particular colt was not comfortable with cattle. And so basically what he's saying is, no, I want to turn and run. And I'm saying, no, let's, let's stay right here. Sometimes, you know, just like in that situation, I asked in the same way I would always ask, but because of what we were doing, I got a different response. Now, if I'd been loping a circle out in the, in the middle of the arena and I'd asked for that same response with no calf involved, I'm pretty sure I would have got the response I was asking for, but because of the situation that changed, well, that happens a lot. That happens a lot with, with, uh, you know, younger horses. And, and it's not always just younger horses. You can, you can have a horse that has some age on them and you ask for that response and, and you don't always get a consistent response. I mean, Tanner Rennick and I were talking about Boone and, I've got him home to rope on him. He just come from the fraternity at Oklahoma City in December. And, and you know, she was a little disappointed with him because he ran a little green there. And she thought she'd worked her butt off. And I know, and Tana did. I mean, Tana does a good job. She's a good hand with a horse. And, but when you change environment, when you put horses in situations that they've never been before, you're going to have moments where they seem, where they respond in a way that is more insecure than what they've been responding in. And, and, you know, changes in environment, changes in anything that anytime you change environment, that, that does not, that does not build confidence in your horse. Once you get through that and the more you can expose them to and the more you can help them get through those situations and still be safe i mean that's that's their main goal is to just be safe well once you can put them in those situations in multiple you know multiple times you're going to build some confidence in that horse is going to that horse is going to probably be seem a lot more seasoned after that well and and just like with boone and a lot of you that have been to my clinics have seen him i've had him i've you rode him at my clinics on and off for the last two or three years and he's five this year and because of my schedule and just life you know boone for a five-year-old i would say he's a little behind some and then for some, he's way ahead. But like, you know, this week, um, this will be the fifth day I've roped on him this week. And yesterday he was really, really good. And he can flat fly. Now, when I put my hand down, and we come across that line, 
there are still times he gets a little bit lost and, and just like Tana was saying, runs a little green and I have to help him. But once I put him back on that calf and put my hand back down, he stays locked in and he's got a big stop. And he's just, you know, the horses we ride today, gosh, they're so athletic, full of talent. But just like Tana and I were talking the horses we have today, there are times it's going to take longer to get them trained than years ago because we have horses that, you know, really have more speed, have more ability than some of the horses we rode back in the day. And, you know, something else we talked about was, you know, sometimes we need to we need to get more time on their back and get more riding in them i mean i think you know you know in some situations i think we've gotten a little soft in our riding you know we got we've got we've got horses with big motors and the more correct repetitions the more time in the saddle the more time you can establish that feel with your body I think it's going to benefit you. And so sometimes we, we just need to get on their backs more. Well, just like with Boone, you know, he'll get caught this morning. He'll get put on the exerciser and then he'll wait his turn to get roped on. You know, yesterday it was kind of like an eight hour work day. I had eight or nine head tied up there on the hitching rack and they were, you know, it, it was kind of an all day deal. Well, that's what makes horses. You know, that's what makes horses. I mean, that they need, you know, the reason we're good at what we do, whatever that is, it's because we do it for an extended amount of time every day. Well, that, that, that's, you know, horses are built to work. You know, I remember my grandpa, gosh, he's a great guy and I was so blessed to have him as my grandpa but I remember looking at pictures of him when he was 10 years old driving an eight horse hitch raking hay I mean an eight horse hitch <laughs> can you imagine that at at 10 you know I think he started at 10 and and you know 10 12 years old looks like this little kid driving this driving this eight horse hitch and he said they would feed in, in the morning, at noon, and at night, and at noon when he would go eat, then they would, then he would take them down to the creek, and they would stand in the water and, and just cool their legs off, because that, in that cool water, it also, it also cools their heart rate and changes, changes their blood flow, and anyway, it, it was just, you know, that's a whole different level of work. I mean, you know, and and you look back on some of the horses that you used for everything. I remember back when, when I had one or two horses and I rodeoed on them, we practiced on them. I picked up on them, did everything on them. Those horses were never hurt. <laughs> I mean, they were never hurt. They were just warriors and you know, that toughness, and I'm getting a little bit off the subject of equipment, but that toughness that we put in ourselves 
and put in our horses, that toughness is taught. You know, Tana and I talked about that. She made a comment. She said, sometimes I think I was a better trainer when I didn't know as much. And, and man, is that is so true because there was a time when we just rode them. We just rode them and we weren't looking for, you know, now we have so many resources and so much information that we think, oh gosh, you know, I hear this all the time. I think, well, he's, he's not right here. Something feels off or something, blah, blah. You know what? I'm off every morning. I mean, I'm sore every morning. I'm dang sure sore this morning, but that's not going to stop any of us. It's not going to stop you. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, every, everybody has those moments. Well, we just successful people keep moving. Well, it's a mindset. Well, it's the same way for our horses. I mean, you're going to get what they believe is expected of them. That's what you're going to get. Horses are chameleons, you know, and I, there's no doubt in my mind. It's just like you ask any football player, basketball player, any athlete, game day's the easiest day they've ever had. Well, it's just like taking a horse to a rodeo or a jackpot. That's a walk in the park for them. If, if their preparation's been what it should be. I mean, there, there's nothing fatiguing about that. So anyway, I kind of got off subject there, but I'm, everybody knows I do that. So <laughs> anyway, going, going back to talking about like on these horses this week, equipment, you know, some of those horses that I've had in, in just a ring snaffle bed, a D, D ring snaffle is my, is my bit of choice, my preference and with, with young horses and, on some of these horses, I've transitioned into a shank snaffle this week. And when I say a shank snaffle, like I have a short shank snaffle bit. And I, I mean, I've got several of them of the, of Sherry Servies. I like that little bit. It's uh, it's real user friendly. It's real, it's a great bit for communicating with a horse. I think they understand the signal pretty well. I've got some shank snaffle bits that have a little gag on them and, and Sherry's bit does too, that Greg Dutton makes. And I, li I like that bit. I try, to, I try to keep it pretty simple. The one thing that when I'm transitioning, I'll change the cheek piece, meaning the shank. I try to keep the mouthpiece pretty simple pretty similar because by keeping the mouthpiece similar and changing the shank, I'm, I'm still changing the signal, but the feel of it in their mouth is still real familiar. So I, I try to keep some consistency there. And, and here's the thing too, you got to remember when you add shank, any shank, you're, you're all of a sudden adding, adding curb pressure you know, jaw pressure, you're adding pull pressure, you're at, you're changing the, the, the signal point in the horse's mouth where, where that pressure point is going to be on the bars of that horse's mouth. And so you always, I always, anytime I change bits on a horse, 
I always go through my level one exercises with that bit so that they can feel what response I'm looking for when I apply that signal, when I apply that contact or that pressure. You know, and I, I always like to call it contact because when I send the signal, I just want to hold the signal. I don't want to continue to increase or decrease that pressure. I want that I want that signal to have some consistency. And you know, here's the thing with bits too, and 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 this is all equipment. I you know, you hear somebody say, boys, my horse really likes this bit. Really and truly, I think they just hate it less than they do the other ones. I mean, any any animal that has soft tissue in its mouth, if you if they could talk and you said, here, I'm going to let you wear this um, piece of equipment around that's hard steel for, you know, an hour or two or eight or whatever it is. I'm pretty sure they're going to say, I really don't like that. You know, I just think they accept. I think there are some pieces of equipment that are less uncomfortable than others for a horse. So, you know, I, I always think about that when I'm bridling a horse. I always think about it when I'm unbridling a horse. I always think about it when I'm sending a signal and asking for a response. Because here's the deal that signal has to stimulate a thought process not a reactive response and so it's all in you know you can take the harshest bit out there and put it in the hands of a real horseman or horsewoman and it won't be severe in the horse's mouth you can take a bit that is supposedly real user friendly for a horse and put it in the wrong hands and it can be the most severe bit that that horse has ever had in its mouth. It, it's all in, it's all in who's running the piece of equipment and that's us, you know? So with bits, you know, one thing that I always talk about is it, it's just a tool to send a signal. Think about how you're sending that signal because you're using that bit to send a signal to that horse's brain to tell its body to try this particular response. And hopefully when they try that response, it's the one we're asking for. And when they receive that release, when they, when they give us that response and we provide that instant release, that's what tells the horse, okay, that's what that means. That's what that signal means, right? Because if we don't get that response with the horse's body, we're not going to get the response with their feet. And you're using that tool in their mouth to control their feet. You know, for me, it comes down to that. Now, I'm going to work on putting their body in a position to where we, I can use the movement of their feet most efficiently. But at the end of the day, you know, it's like your bridle rein is hooked to that horse's mouth to control their feet. So those signals that we're stimulating with that piece of equipment, it's really important how you ask. It's really important if you're sending a signal versus a jerking, tugging, pulling, applying a bunch of pressure. And believe me, I've done both. <laughs> I'm just like everybody else. I've done it all. 
I've jerked, tugged, pulled, you know, but now where I send, where I'm much more consistent about sending a consistent signal to get a desired response, my horses are much more willing, they're much more confident, they're much more responsive. I mean, I just, you know, the responses from my horses now versus, you know, two decades ago, big difference, big difference. Well, are bits important? Yes, they're the tool that you use to send that signal and definitely, and, and here's the thing, I rode, you know, I think I rode nine, worked nine horses yesterday and I used four or five different bits. They were similar, but at the same time, they were a little different. One of the, one of the snaffles, shank snaffles, was a short, short shank sherry survey that I used on a couple horses. The other was a longer shank snaffle that that Greg Dutton makes that I used on a couple horses. I used a couple D-ring snaffles on horses. One with a smooth mouthpiece, one with a square mouthpiece. I got one horse that wants to tug on me a little bit, so I used the square mouthpiece on him to, to get him send a little clearer signal to get him off of my hands. You know, that's where it starts. It's not, because if I can't get him off my hands with that D-ring snaffle, if I trans, if I transition to that shank snaffle, he, he's going to be hanging on that bit too. So it's not, you know, it's all about them responding to the signal, not so much the change in headgear, change in bits. You know, that's something that, that question comes up a lot. It comes up at every clinic. It comes up at every private clinic. It's something we talked a lot about during our mentorship weeks. I mean, it's, uh, you know, for me, when I started to understand that, it made a huge difference in how I asked for a response. When, when I ask for a response and I understand that there's going to be a delay, there's going to be some time in there where you know, that horse has to process what we're doing and send a signal to its body to send me a response. That that makes me more patient with my hands. And that's why I always talk about slowing, slowing our hands down, slowing our hands down. So something to think about this week. I got to wrap this up, but I hope you have a great week of training. God bless each and every one of you, and as always, be your best. Hey, thanks for joining us on today's show. To learn more about the training program that inspired the Be Your Best podcast, head over to philhagenhorsemanship.com and join our online community by following us at philhagenhorsemanship on Facebook or Instagram. This is where we're going to be sharing tons of training tips and information about how you can experience our training through understanding program at one of our upcoming clinics. As you go through the day today, I want to encourage you to figure out one thing you can do to get 1% better. 
whether that is in your horsemanship journey, your career, or your personal life. Own it and be your best. God bless and have a great day of training.